Before we get started on today's episode, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Anchor. If you're interested in starting your own podcast and you're not sure what platform to use, look no further than Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast today, and it gives you everything you need for free. You can edit your podcast, create artwork, and import your own music all from your mobile app. Another great feature of Anchor is that you don't have to worry about understanding how the RSS feed works and all the other technical difficulties that went into making a podcast back in the days. All you have to do is record your podcast and Anchor will send your episode out to iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and others. If all that isn't enough, Anchor also gives you the opportunity to make money off your podcast. With no minimal listenership, you can start making money today by using ads. So this is what I need you to do. Download the Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Proverbial Life Podcast. This is a podcast where we encourage Christians to look to Christ, live wisely, and leave a legacy behind for generations to follow. Today, I have a special guest with me who we'll introduce here in a moment. But before we get into our episode, I want to remind you all that you can help this ministry out by subscribing to the channel, by sharing this recording, and or by supporting the ministry on patreon.com backslash proverbial life. You can also find me on Twitter for as long as that lasts at fan into flame E, and you can follow my content, blogs, YouTube channel, um, podcast and all that on the www.theproverbiallife.com. With no further ado, let me introduce my guest. His name is Peter Bolin. He has a channel that is the ho- he's the host of Five Sola Studios. Brother Peter, how you doing, my man? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well, brother. Thank you for uh, just agreeing to come on and uh, discuss the topic that we're going to be dealing with today. And uh, man, I, I told you this behind the scenes, but brother, thank you for your podcast and thank you for the the work that you put in and your desire to exalt the name of Christ and to look to the word of God. And uh, yeah, man, for those of you who don't know Peter, again, you can follow his content on YouTube at Five uh, Five Solar Studios, and uh, and and I'll have the link and everything in the description below. So. Uh, Peter, today we're going to be discussing um, a topic that um, you have kind of written about on your Facebook page, um, yeah. and, I, and, I, and, and it seems like you've gotten some pushback from people and uh, many who've agreed with you, and so I wanted to have you on, man, to talk about uh, Federal Vision, right? Yeah. Uh, what is federal vision and, 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 you know, is it alive today and so on and so forth. So before, before we get into that, Peter, why don't you briefly introduce yourself uh, to those uh, in, in, in that are watching and let them know something about yourself. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Name's Peter Bolin. Uh, man, I've been in the Lord for about 20 years now. Um, married uh, for 18 years, got a wife and four kids, three girls and a boy. They're uh, eight through 14 years old. 
Uh, yeah, I got the Five Solo Studios podcast, but uh, I just got off work. I'm just an average uh, blue-collar dude that uh, loves Reformed theology, um, love equipping the saints uh, because theology matters even even for uh, ordinary folks. So, yeah, that's me, just a, a regular humble servant of Christ, man. Yeah, amen, brother. Yes, amen. Yep. And um I, I we were talking about this earlier as well, too, that the Lord, the Lord uses the weak things of this world, man. Yeah. And um and that and that's a good thing, right? Like that that's a praise and a glory to his name. And um the fact that man that 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 we're trying to bring the Lord glory uh, at our jobs and our homes and our communities uh, with, with whoever watches our content, man, it's, it's a testament to the goodness and glory and beauty of Christ and his, his saving power and his sanctifying power. So, um, all right, brother, with, with, with no further ado, with no further ado, let's just get right into it. The topic that we're going to be discussing is federal vision. Um, brother, you saw, I have a list of questions here. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to discuss uh, at least 45 minutes worth of content, and then we're going to just uh, kind of cap that off and go into uh, some questions behind the scenes for those who are in the Patreon community. So uh, if you'd like to, again, support the ministry, you can do so by going to Patreon and you can kind of get this behind the scenes content. Uh, but it, 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 this is going to be good, brother. I, I, I want to hear your heart and want to hear some of the things that the Lord has been teaching you with Federal Vision. So number one, brother, let's just get right into it. Number one, we need to define our terms. Yeah. Right? So, so what is Federal Vision? Well, and see, that's a million dollar question right there, because if everyone probably that's been around the reform camp for I don't know how many years has probably heard that term and probably seen people fighting over it. But then it's like nobody seems to know what it means. I, you aren't going to get a, a clear definition of here is the federal vision. And <clears throat> And on the one hand, you know, like all labels, you can't avoid the labels. Labels are important, like Calvinism, Arminianism. You know, on the one hand, we don't want to attach our theology to a man. It's not like we're following men. We, we follow, you know, sola scriptura, the word of God. But, you know, labels, definitions, these help. But under the category or the general term federal vision, there's actually a mixed match set of doctrines. And so within that general umbrella that we might call federal vision, and I, I'll walk through the history of it maybe at some point here, um, under that general heading, there could be various doctrines, and some guys might hold to some of those doctrines and not to others. So uh, some of this, what we're going to see, it, it, there's a bit of a sacramental uh, system that's being resurrected, uh, something kind of like Roman Catholicism or Anglicanism light. Um, but then there's also some differences with the doctrine of regeneration. Some of the guys hold more or less to that. Uh, there's a different view of covenant, uh, different positions on that as well. So there's sort of a, there's a, even a different hermeneutic, a different method of interpreting the scripture. And so you have these various issues and some guys will take some of it, but not all of it. And so when you say here is federal vision, someone can always go, well, I don't believe that part of it. You're right. Mm. So that's what, one of the reasons why this is a, a complicated subject. Like I was personally debating how much do I want to get into debating over this subject? I was kind of feeling like 
I was reading some stuff from Greg Bonson. I was like, this is one of those subjects that we really could use a brilliant scholar like a Dr. James White or someone like that to really dive deep on this, uh, someone who's trustworthy, credible, studied church history, who can really hash out the individual doctrines and tackle them one at a time. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and we'll kind of see that as, as the conversation uh, goes on. Because you have this set of doctrines, and then things are not being clearly defined and sorted out. And I'm sure you you probably saw the, you know, most people attach this stuff to Doug Wilson. Yeah, and yeah. you probably saw his blog article back in 2017 called Federal Vision Nomas. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and in that, you know, which was great, because he wanted to step back, at least from the, level, the, the label of it, recognizing there's some problems. But even he said there that my tendency in this was simply to circle the wagons, defend myself and defending my friends. I have come to believe that my robust defense up and down the line contributed to the groupthink that was going on. Mm. And so when you have a mixed match set of doctrines under a single heading like federal vision, and then you have guys who are circling the wagons and doing the groupthink thing, uh, it really shuts down communication so that a lot of folks don't have clarity on these issues, which are vitally important issues. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, that's good, man. So many questions. Yeah, that's great. That's good. So, so brother, with that, um, when and how did the federal vision become a thing? Like, what's the, if you can kind of give us like a, a one-on-one quick nutshell uh, from from your perspective on when did this start and how did it become an ongoing and it seems like a vibrant kind of small group taking place yeah 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 it's, it's a small group uh some folks say the movement's dead i think that's just the label of it the uh the theology is alive and we'll talk about that but it's funny so like most things unfortunately it begins in the seminaries you get a couple of guys in the seminary um, they have some ideas. This was going on back prior, uh, like Westminster Seminary, prior to uh, Norman Shepard is one guy. You got Ray Sutton, uh, Jor uh, James Jordan, we'll, and we'll, we'll come back to some of these folks, and I'll point uh, folks to some of their books if they want to read the original sources. But these guys have been around for a little while. Um, Norman Shepard, for example, they actually fired him. Uh, for some of his theology, but that doesn't mean that it's not still lingering around. Uh, and uh, Greg Bonson, who I love, you know, great reformed apologist, uh, he, you know, and he passed away in 1995. Well, he was already engaging s some of these issues, like uh, the hermeneutic that James Jordan taught. He was already dealing with these issues before his death in 1995. Well, the name actually came from a conference that was held in 2002, which was called the Federal Vision. That, that's, that's where the, the name Federal Vision comes from. It's from this 2002 conference that was held at uh, Auburn Avenue Church. And uh, that, that conference featured, of course, Doug Wilson being the big name. And that's who's always, you know, again, attached to this doctrine. Although, as I'll, I'll demonstrate, he's actually like not he's not the biggest like he's not the biggest problem like he gets all the beef he gets all the stuff but he's actually you know he's he's orthodox uh but doug doug wilson john barrick steve shishel and then steve wilkins and then he kind of had i think probably the bombshell uh 
talk of that uh, conference called the Legacy of the Halfway Covenant. And basically what was mm. going on at this conference was they were challenging Presbyterians to be more consistent, what they, what, what they deemed more consistent with their Presbyterianism. So with the legacy of the halfway covenant, for example, they're like, hey, why are you baptizing your children, but then you're not feeding them the Lord's Supper? If they're really covenant uh. children and they're in covenant with God, why aren't you feeding them the covenant meal? And, and if so, if you're treating them, you know, like they're unbelievers, you're basically treating them like you're a Baptist. You're not acting like a Presbyterian. Well, shots fired, right? So, right. And, 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 and that, that's, that's where the name came from. And that's really when the war began. So before that, it was mainly a discussion of theology in the seminaries. But that's sort of uh, when the label came and when, when everything exploded. Okay, so two questions with that. So, so let me ask this one first. Um, where, so, so how did they? How did he conclude that they weren't being Presbyterians? Because the Westminster doesn't teach that that infants should partake of communion, or does it? Well, yeah. So the Westminster does not. So a lot of these, some of these guys will hold to the Westminster with a caveat. A lot of them will hold right. to the three forms of unity, uh, which of course right. is the Canons of Dort, the Heidelberg Catechism, and the Belgic Catechism, because it's a little bit less specific on some of those particular issues. So it allows them a little more room in the realm of you know Reformed Orthodoxy to to to, to make some of those uh, claims. Okay, so so they're kind of making a logical conclusion. So if it, if 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 they are recognized as children of the covenant, um, and we're baptizing them, well, the other the other side of that coin is communion. If they're in fellowship with God, right? Okay, right. okay, okay. Now and then, I guess I just maybe for for the and maybe I missed it, but maybe and it's and you kind of laid it out that it's slippery. But what is federal vision like? Is there is there something that like clearly defines best you can kind of discern of what it is if I miss that? Well, so uh, we're going to get into some of these doctors. Uh, like I lined it out with some of the other things that okay. you got kind of low okay. for some of those questions because uh, little nuggets will kind of get dropped in there that will help kind of unpack it. Um, how are a lot of people – stumbling across this stuff today like how how would you be yeah. introduced to this um yeah because I, like i have a quote here from greg bonson about uh post-millennialism and and uh so you know you're, you're post-mill too right so yeah i'm post-mill you're, you're in the camp right yeah. so if you're a reformed baptist and you're a mill and you hear federal vision it's just like what is this stuff? I don't care. This yeah. is this is for those those, those you know pedo Baptists to go argue about. But when you become post millennial and you all of a sudden you know you wander into the bright hope of post millennialism Facebook group or something and you're like, hey man, I need a good commentary on the Book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. hey, what's a and, and then everyone recommends what Days of Vengeance, Days David Chilton, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what we don't know is that uh, David Chilton uh, is applying the hermeneutic from James Jordan. Uh, it, it, it's called interpretive maximalism. And, uh, and, and so people start reading some stuff and they think, hey, this is going to be safe. This is good. Because like if you're a ah-mill, Reformed Baptist, pre-mill, something like that, you've been hanging out reading John MacArthur, 
you're expecting people to call out heresy. You're expecting people to warn you of who's a good teacher and who's not a good teacher. Well, what I found is, is unfortunately, in the post-mill camp, there's sometimes some discernment lacking, uh, and there's some reasons for that, because a lot of the Federal Vision guys, if not all of them, are post-millennial. So once you embrace this eschatology, sometimes you can be influenced by some things that you don't realize, oh, this is actually coming from somewhere. And, and so I, I say this as a post-mill guy who is wanting to see the gospel flourish. And, uh, and so did Greg Bonson. This is what he said about that commentary from, from David Chilton. And this kind of gives you an idea of the hermeneutic that's behind it. Because this hermeneutic uh, of James Jordan is what's going to contribute to a lot of these other doctrinal issues that we're going to mention that kind of come up, that compose the federal vision. So Bonson says... The revival of biblical postmillennialism, and you got to remember that was before Jeff Durbin and guys was mm-hmm. was making it even bigger, for which we're all very thankful, right? And so, uh, you know, we want to continue to see a revival of that good biblical eschatology. So, that revival of biblical postmillennialism, which we are witnessing in our day, will be sustained only if it is fueled and fortified by diligent attention to the scriptures. This is what makes so noteworthy a major publication of a commentary on the book of Revelation, such as David Chilton's The Days of Vengeance. The author devotes nearly 600 pages to expositing the text of theology of this closed book, and we must appreciate his labors, uh, and so on, and Gary uh, North subsidizing them. And uh, people, he said, suppose that because they're friends and share common post-mill eschatology, uh, that, that uh, Bonson would commend it, and he says, nevertheless, the hermeneutical excesses and errors of the commentary will prove far more detrimental to postmillennialism than any of its isolated virtues can redeem. And mm. he says, consider three fatal flaws. Interpretive maximalism, I can read uh, from you on that if you like, uh, pandemonium of all kinds of literary structure devices and a misidentification of key characters. Mm. And so that's just kind of an example. So basically... What, what you, work is that? Uh, from Bonson? Yeah. That was actually... Uh, it, it, I found that on a blog article. Okay. I can send you the link if you like. and you can, That'd be good. Yeah, yeah I'll put yeah. it in the description. Because uh, that interpretive maximalism is basically a symbolic interpretation of scriptures. It's mm. not a grammatical historical... It's not a redemptive historical hermeneutic. It's a different hermeneutic that symbolizes things. And that's where a lot of these other problems, uh, such as a highly liturgical church service, different view of regeneration, and some of these other things come out of. Okay, so that, that's helpful. Good. Um, how, how is the Federal Vision um, position alive today? Uh, maybe you can... So, so yeah, we know, yeah, yeah. We know so, then... Sorry about all my noise, man. I'm stuck in my car. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Hey, so it is, it is alive today, uh, primarily in the post-millennial camp. And this is why it, it bothers and it burdens me, because that's my camp. And and yep. so uh, I want to see doctrinal purity there. I want to see post-millennialism flourish, people to embrace it. And I don't want to see things come along that are going to discredit it. So in the post-millennial camp, um, and 
post-millennialists, man, we're, 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 we're entrepreneurs, right? We're good at getting our message out there. We're good at marketing, branding, putting together, you know, shiny videos, doing podcasts, stuff like that. So that's one way that it's getting out there. Uh, the other thing is it's alive and well in the correct denomination, uh, CREC. And, 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 uh, they, uh, basically a lot, I mean, there was denominations that said federal vision is heresy. It's just, you know, uh, it's just not allowed, not welcome. Um, so basically they, they formed another denomination. It's not explicitly federal vision, but, uh, that is a denomination in which you're going to find a lot of these same doctrines, this liturgical worship and this kind of stuff. Okay. Was that the, is that how, because wasn't, wasn't Wilson, I mean, I mean, it could be off on this, but wasn't he the kind of the, the one who started that denomination or? I believe he started or was a part of starting it and he's still in it. Right. So. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So, so, so it sounds like federal vision is dangerous. Um, and, and, and so being that that is the case, um, why, why, like what about it makes it dangerous? Okay. So what I thought I'd do to get myself out of trouble and help get someone else in trouble <laughs> is, uh, I was actually, so, you know, and also because this is newer to me, right? So I want a quote from Toby Sumter, Toby Sumter, of course, associated with Douglas Wilson. Uh, and likewise, he wanted to distance himself, you know, so when, when you see Doug Wilson and Toby Sumter, two guys who were involved in this, taking a step back going, hey, there's something wrong here, fellas. Something here is not right. Like these are guys who were involved. They were friends. They sat down. They studied these things in school. They've read all the books. And so uh, I want to read to you what, what Toby Sumter says is dangerous about it. All right. Good. Very good. He, he says. The central theological issue, so you want to know what's at the heart of this, at the heart of federal vision, what you get out of this interpretation. The central theological issue concerns the doctrine of regeneration. James Jordan wrote an ex exploratory essay a number of years ago entitled Thoughts on Sovereign Grace and Regeneration, Some Tentative Explorations. As the years went by, Jordan and others closely associated with him have largely adopted those thoughts on regeneration. The main thesis is that instead of regeneration being a permanent change of individual's nature in time and space, regeneration is viewed in more covenantal terms, defining it as an ongoing relationship with God, beginning at baptism, wherein one wrestles with God, hopefully, to the end of life, but without a permanent change of nature in this life, and such that some may ultimately reject this regeneration and fall away. The change of nature on this view is merely the change in relationship to God via covenant membership. This is because Jordan and proponents deny that there is such a thing as nature that can be changed in itself. They would argue that our nature only consists in our relationships and pro primarily how we relate to God. Mm. So, so now, I mean, right. You could spend an hour on that unpacking right. all the muddled confusion in that definition of what they're looking at, because there you have a different definition of what is humanity, what is human nature. Um, so, so who are we, right? This affects our anthropology. And that's the thing. This isn't just like Adiaphora issues. These are uh, 
definitional issues. Who, you know, who is God? Who is man? How are we saved? What is the doctrine of regeneration? How do you interpret the scriptures? These are basic foundational Christian issues. And uh, yeah, so denying that human nature, then you have now uh, no real regeneration. If you're baptized, you're supposed to be seen as it. You can almost see the Arminian in here. It's possible to lose it. It's possible to fall away, um, which is, of course, crazy, right? Uh, very far from the Reformed view of, you know, God's sovereign grace in the doctrine of uh, regeneration. And so, uh, you know, when you start viewing it in covenantal terms like that, uh, we're, we're now playing a lot of different games. You can also see the sacramental system that's there. The priest mm -hmm. or whatever baptizes you, you are regenerate. You are Christian. You are now in covenant with God. Now you have to continue in this covenant. For some of these guys, it's actually going to affect the way they do the uh, doctrine of justification. Some of them end up basically holding to the new perspective of Paul, believing in a future mm -hmm. justification by works. Um, and, and so you can see there's a lot that starts to unpack. There's a lot of weeds that need to be plucked out of that garden. Um, but that's not even it, man. Uh, Toby goes on. Uh, he says, to the extent, and, and this is him talking about his friends, how many of his friends were led astray by the doctrine he taught, these doctrines that he's seen the problem of. He says, mm -hmm. to the extent that some of my friends were led into Roman Catholicism, Eastern Orthodoxy, wishy-washy Anglicanism, or worse, by my own irresponsible participation in that project or related speculations, my sincere apologies, and my hat's off to Toby for apologizing. That, that's hard to do. Uh, much respect to him for that. While this hardly does justice to the problems and confusions caused, please consider this retraction of my public and published works that has participated in Biblical Horizons and the Federal Vision muddle. Closely related, looking back, I can see the dangerous signs at various points that I did not heed, and some of my friends even warned me, and I dismissed those warnings. Mm. To those who saw the dangerous signs and tried to point them out, to those whom I dismissed, please forgive me. And then he even goes on to talk about how he feels like it's continued uh, contributed to the rot in the uh, Southern Baptist Convention and the PCA, uh, Presbyterian Church America. And so, I mean, that's that's just a guy who was in there who's looking back going, no, no, this, this, was, this was really bad, and it led a lot of people astray. And the thing is, is in the midst of all that, there was this group thing. You try to challenge this, and, and you're going to get dogpiled. Uh, there's going to be group thing. People are going to, you know, come at you, and and yet the guys who were in the midst of this, you know, two of the biggest people who had the bird's eye view because, you know, of the size of their platforms, they're both like, you know, Doug Wilson, Toby Sumter, like, no, 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 no. So that tells you a lot right there. And as you're, as you're describing this and as we're thinking through this and talking about it, just the phrase that keeps coming to my mind, one that we all know, but that we need to be consistently reminded of is that theology matters, yes. right? Theology matters. What you believe will dictate how you live and how you live is if it isn't according to scripture could lead you to eternal separation from God. Right. And, and obviously there are there are some truths that all truth matters. Right. When we when we're 
walking through the word of God. But there are some truths, man, that you can't get wrong, right? Like, right. like you cannot get, you can't mess with regeneration and the person of Christ and the Godhead and all these foundational truths, man. So, so I guess with that, brother, um, someone, someone like a James Jordan and, and I, and I've heard those names too, Sutton, right? Um, uh, Chilton yeah. and, and these guys who are theonomists as well. Um, but, but, but with, with, with those guys that you mentioned, those names that you mentioned, would, would you say that they are categorized in the, uh, misled, but still brothers in Christ, or are they in the damnable heretic category? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was talking to my wife about that and I was like, you know, it's always, you know, it was all fun and games when Jesus walked up, if he was just another teacher, uh, pulling up a chair with the Sadducees and the Pharisees, you know, it, it was all fun and games till he, he said, you, you whitewashed tombs, mm. you, 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 you know, you're, you're no children of Abraham. You're, you're children of the devil. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and same thing for the Apostle Paul. If the Judaizers that were adding circumcision, if that was just one perspective among many, hey, there's no problem. No reason to be persecuted here. Hey, you know, mm -hmm. the, 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 the Judaizers, they just have a different perspective on circumcision than we do. No big deal. No, no. The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Galatians to say just the opposite. There are false brothers who are distorting the gospel and preaching another one. So we these days, we don't like that kind of language, right? That you are allowed to criticize someone's position all the day long, as long as you love them and affirm them as a brother in Christ, regardless of how terrible or theology is. So, you know, I, but at the same time, you don't want to be the guy that's just throwing that label around everywhere, right? So here's all that to say, I think it would be good if a brighter man than me, uh, someone like, a, again, a Dr. James White ha had studied and really dove into it to maybe put a, a, an official label on it. But here's how I would personally categorize it. I'm categorizing it how I would categorize Roman Catholicism, as in the system itself is corrupt. It's damnable. It's, it's not Christian. It's incompatible with Scripture. However, that doesn't mean like Roman Catholicism, that you can't have saved people within that system, genuine brothers and sisters in Christ within that system. So what I wouldn't want to do is treat it like a cult, like you would the Jehovah's Witnesses and say, well, you can't be saved if you're in there. But what I would want to do is treat it like the Roman Catholicism and say, if you are saved, come out of their midst. And, and so that's, that's as best as I can understand it, because it's flirting with that line where I would say this is borderline heresy. And I, I, I mentioned all that about us not liking to do that because we need to learn the lessons of church history. You look sure. at a guy like Tertullian, and he's the guy that we got most of our language or a lot of our language about the doctrine of the Trinity for. So on the one hand, here's a hero of the faith, the early church father, and so on and so forth. Well, the church later condemned him because he had adopted Montanism, which was basically the, the charismatic movement of the day. And the, the Catholic, meaning universal, not Roman Catholic Church, universally condemned basically the charismatic movement of that day as heresy. And so yeah. when this guy, great defender of the faith, Orthodox and Trinitarian theology, adopted this bad theology, they, they, they condemned him as a heretic. 
And, uh, you know, we need to be willing to do that, but we shouldn't rush into doing that. Um, but we do need to regard this dangerously like we would Roman Catholicism. This is not a different perspective of Christianity. Uh, I believe this is a departure from the evangelical faith. Mm. Like, I don't mm. even care if you're reformed. Like, just evangelical, right? That, that matters. Mm. Like, can I, read, can I read you something? Absolutely, so, please. I, yeah, man. So, I, I was going to drop this bomb at some time in here, right? So, drop uh, it. Even, are you familiar with Ian Murray? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's my boy. Yeah. Okay, yep. so Evangelicalism Divided. This is a great book, man. This is a book I think everyone ought to read. It deals with, uh, you know, Martin Lloyd-Jones and uh, uh, Billy Graham and J.I. Packer and John Stott and, uh, you know, the ecumenical movement. Um, so what's so good here is he talks about what happens when in Western culture we lose our place and the temptation to just unite, unite, unite. Let's stay friends. Let's all be together. And we lose what is definitional. And, and, and so he, here's the danger we face, I think, as well, as we're looking at, is this heresy or is this not? This is what he says. When churches lose their influence, when Christian, when the Christian message ceases to arrest the indifferent and unbelieving, when the decline is obvious, in places that once owned biblical standards, when such symptoms as these are evidenced, then the first need is not to regroup such professing Christianity as remains. It is rather to ask whether the spiritual decline is not due to a fundamental failure to understand and practice what Christianity really is. To think in this way leads very quickly to a subject which has always been unpopular with the world and which is now far from popular in the church. Is it not offensive and intolerant to suppose that anyone can distinguish true Christians from others? Are there not, it is said, many kinds of followers of Christ and does not love demand that we regard them all as our fellow Christians? This objection often proceeds on the basis of another argument usually unstated, namely that the New Testament itself does not give us enough light to be definite. And if scripture does not resolve the question, what is a Christian, then we must tolerate and justify a breadth of opinion on the subject. But if the New Testament does settle that question, then we have no liberty to redefine Christian in terms which neither Christ nor his apostles ever authorized. Mm. Man, boom. Scriptures are definite. And when we begin to tolerate everything as if it's all opinions, as if they're equally valid, again, you just got Jesus, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and he's just one rabbi among many. And all, all truth claims are equally valid amongst those who profess faith in the, you know, God of the scriptures. Um, you, you got nothing, right? That's a fundamental denial of the sufficiency of scriptures. The scriptures are sufficient. They are clear. They define what is definitional in the Christian faith. And so they tell us what is a Christian and how do you live as a Christian? And uh, mm -hmm. instead of just trying to unite everything together under this tent, we need to be able to, you know, call a spade a spade. And if something is outside the camp, we do need to be willing to do so. And uh, I think this is one of those issues that's flirting with that line. And, and I suspect 10, 20 years from now, we're going to see where a lot of these guys are heading. 
and people are going to know better. They're going to learn. But I don't really want to see people go the wrong way first. I'd, I'd rather snatch them out of that fire now before they go off into, you know, Eastern uh, mysticism and Roman Catholicism and everything else. So, yeah, no, that's good, man. In fact, you reminded me of um, Joe Boots book, uh, Mission of God. He he has a section where he deals with that issue of, um, you know, how the world likes to redefine what love is. And they don't use the word of God as the standard for defining their terms. They use emotionalism and they use just kind of redefinitions and you know how they how they feel and how they sub, in their own subjectivity understand what love is as opposed to looking at the objective word of god and so who are some main proponents if any like outright that stand in our day um you know we we know Doug Wilson gets thrown into that batch all the time in fact i actually i saw an interview with Doug Wilson and James White on federal vision right um <laughs> and they're both wearing these, <laughs> these horrid vests um <laughs> uh, but but you know so so like is 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 Wilson Federal Vision should we like cast him off or not or like who are the main proponents from your understanding? That's a good question, and uh, you know that's that's one of those that probably everyone got disagree on. Some sure. Um, but you know so federal uh since Doug Wilson has renounced it, you know it's hard because on the one hand he said he don't want to go by that label. Toby Sumter, you know, again, has said the same thing. And they used to re used to refer to Federal Vision Light and Federal Vision Dark, which you probably heard in that sweater vest dialogue. You know, the is it the Amber Ale or the Oatmeal Stout version? Yeah. And, uh, and so Doug Wilson always represented the very best, I believe, that uh, the Federal Vision camp had to offer. He was always the best. He was never the big problem. Uh, if you remember years and years, how long you been? How long you been in Christ? Twenty years now. Okay, so oh, you're about like me then. Okay, so you you were around for the Driscoll New Calvinist. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, you probably watched the same Q and A then at one point where there was John Piper with Mark Driscoll and Matt Chandler before everyone yeah. was woke and back yeah. when they were guys worth looking up to or at least somewhat worth looking up to, and. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> And they asked him, they asked John Piper about Doug Wilson. And he said, I think Doug Wilson is a very smart man who hangs out with stupid people. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, <laughs> which is classic. And then, uh, and then James White said something kind of similar, uh, in one of those sweater vest dialogues to Doug Wilson. He said, I see what you're saying and I appreciate the nuance and the caveat that you, you put there. I appreciate the clarification, but I can understand why your critics get confused and say what they say. Yeah. And yeah. so, but all that to say, they were never the big problem. So I wouldn't want to put Doug Wilson or Toby Sumter smack dab in the middle of that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, here's the problem. Because when they said, we don't want to be associated with it, they also said, hey, my friends are still my friends. My denomination is still my denomination. I still believe exactly what I believe. I just don't want to own the label um, because it's so problematic. It, it kind of, mm. it makes it look safe. Mm. And so I, here's where I'm at. I, I'm not separating from those guys like they're not my brothers, but mm. I don't want to put their name out in public so that it doesn't create a stumbling block because of all the stuff it's associated with. So sure. that, that's those guys. And that's just me personally. 
because sure. you don't have a Greg Bonson or someone right now sounding the alarm. You don't have you don't have a post millennialist inside the camp like Greg Bonson saying, yeah. here's what to watch out for. And so I'm being a little extra cautious, maybe sure. uh, because of that I would love for one of the guys with a larger platform to start doing some in-house post mill cleaning. That would be good. But the names that but all that to say, uh, uh, yeah. Doug Wilson isn't the main dude I would watch out for uh, at all. I, I still enjoy his stuff. But the guys I would watch out for is James Jordan, Peter Lightheart, uh, Jeff Myers, Rich Lusk, David Chilton, and Norman Shepard. And I got a couple of books here. Uh, these are books that were recommended to me by a Federal Vision pastor. And I want to just, I want to share these because if someone wants to read more, like, Go to the sources. Decide, you, you mentioned in the beginning, use biblical discernment, right? So if someone wants to read these books for themselves using biblical discernment, uh, here you go. So Jeff Myers, The Lord's Service, this is where they get their, uh, their covenant renewal worship from, this liturgical format. And, uh, you know, again, to go back to Doug Wilson, those guys, they use a light version of that. They stepped back mm -hmm. from it a little, but not uh, a whole lot. Another guy is Rich Lusk. Uh, he wrote this book, Pato Faith, also very much an advocate of, uh, um, what do you call it, uh, the, the, that other new perspective of Paul, kind of future justification, that kind of stuff. And then this is the main one with the hermeneutics, Through New Eyes by James Jordan. That's, that's the big one where you get the different methods of interpretations that... Uh, flow into something like this, the Days of Vengeance by David Chilton. So uh, those are some of the people that you would you would want to either watch out for or, uh, you know, read with extra discernment or, or whatever. That's good, brother. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Read read the Bible with open eyes and in, in, in a heart bent toward hearing what thus saith the Lord. Right. And, and that comes through. That isn't like outside revelation that comes by way of the Holy Spirit and, and proper biblical hermeneutics, right? The Holy Spirit guiding us and instructing us as we're reading the word of God in context, you know, understanding it in the historical context and applying it properly. And then this is the thing I noticed, man, this is a side note, but it reminds me um, in this way of the woke movement, right? Like, like you can, you can say, well, yeah, yeah I'm reformed and you can say, well, yeah, I hold to, to, to Sola Scriptura and all these other things. And then you can be heretical in your application. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's what Paul said, but that's not what Paul meant. You know, <laughs> that's not... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, bro, you got to get me all off now. Cause yeah, that, that's the, uh, that's the issue, right? Uh, so you're Athanasius in church history when he was dealing with Arius, you know, the Arian controversy. Um, that was a problem that the Arian heretics kept using biblical language. And so Arius was like, we need to use extra biblical language to defend biblical truths because of the way that language was being used. And as you're going to uh, address these federal vision issues, these different doctrines, you'll find out biblical language is being used or even reformed language, but not in the same way. So if you raise an objection, you'll get a random quote from John Knox out of content, uh, out of context. And we'll go, was John Knox federal vision? 
or you'll get a random quote of John Calvin saying, well, he didn't rebaptize Roman Catholics. He accepted Roman Catholic baptism, but totally out of the context of John Calvin. John Calvin mm-hmm. was trying to avoid the error of the Anabaptists, and he wasn't trying to rebaptize them. But that didn't mean he regarded them as brothers in Christ. He knew they still needed the true gospel. And uh, so you, you have several issues like that where terms are not being, uh, like biblical language is being used, but not in the same way. And this is actually how I woke up to the issue. Um, I was around some of these folks, um, being influenced by them, unaware of some of the theology. This is how I, I came to realize and why it's kind of alarming to me. Like, oh man, this is, uh, this is in the post-mill camp like this. I, okay, this is different because, uh, you know, Amil reform Baptist type circles, you know, that I used to hang out in, they didn't play none of those games. And, uh, you know, we're sitting around talking and they were talking about Roman Catholics being our brothers via their Trinitarian baptism. And of course, I've seen the the James White, Doug Wilson debate on that uh, years ago, but it really disturbed me in being able to talk through it with someone because it really is a sacramental system. They really do regard Roman Catholics as saved, as Christians, as in covenant with God, even if the gospel, you know, and, and they, they included United Methodists, gay affirming United Methodists in the same group And my question is, what if that gospel, like these people haven't heard the gospel in their churches in centuries, like in the case of Roman Catholicism? We're not talking about they had a bad pastor for six months or a couple of years, like centuries since the gospel was heard uh, within the walls of any Roman Catholic church. And you're saying the sacrament has efficacy apart from the word of God. And so here's where you really get into the problem. It's a sacramental system because it separates faith in the word of God. So now the word of God is removed. The sacrament is placed front and center. James Jordan, that same guy that wrote Seeing Through New Eyes, also wrote a manifesto, and he spoke of the heresy of intellectualism. Um, That just kind of gives you an idea of what kind of stuff is going on here. And so you have a very different kind of system uh, from evangelical orthodoxy uh, with, with this whole federal vision thing. And so they'll speak of baptism in a way that you're like, oh, yeah, 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 that sounds good. And then you start to flesh out the details. and You're like, that doesn't mean much of any, like, what does baptizing my children? And, you know, like, if you talk to me about baptizing my children, it's easier to have that conversation because, like, I know they're going to hear the gospel and hear it again and hear it again and hear it again. And so if you want to tell me I should regard them as Christians, it doesn't sound quite as scary. But then all of a sudden, when you have a United Methodist bishop standing up wearing an LGBT uh, six color, you know, rainbow flag and so on and so forth. uh, And you want to say they're my brother in Christ now, too. And I'm to covenantally regard them as Christians because of their baptism. uh, Dude, I don't I don't know how Paul would not say anathema on that. And that's where I say, I leave it for a better and brighter mind. I would love for someone to show me how that's not heresy. Um, that, yeah. That's really dangerous. When you start, when you go back to the Ian Murray quote, what is a Christian? Is a Christian someone who, who was sprinkled with water? What, how, what is a Christian? This is, I mean, right, this is basic. Well, you, you, a Christian is one who was born again. Well, they already redefined the doctrine of regeneration for some of them. So, so now we're redefining that, and uh, and and on the problems go. You can see how this yeah. is a radical departure. Let let's let's stop here. 
Um, I want to ask you a couple questions behind the scenes for the Patreons. Um, and, and, and man, thank you for your time, bro. This, this is the proverbial life, a podcast where we encourage Christians to look to Christ, live wisely and leave a legacy behind for generations to follow. Go follow my man, Peter Bolin at the, uh, the five solas studios, uh, brother, thank you for your time. I appreciate you, man. And, uh, let, let, let's, let's talk a little bit behind the scenes. Sounds good. What's going on, fam? So before you leave, I want you to consider something really quickly. A couple things. First, if you like this podcast, do me a favor and share it with your friends and family. It would mean a lot and go a long way if you shared this podcast with others. That will help people find this content and it will give me an opportunity to interact with more people on these important themes and concepts that we talk about here at The Proverbial Life. Secondly, if you enjoy the content and you're blessed by it, please consider partnering with me by giving financially. You can do so here on Anchor by giving a $5 gift or a $10 gift, and that would be monthly. So consider doing so. Again, it takes a lot to produce these podcasts trying to be consistent with them Monday through Friday, just giving you some practical wisdom and some quotes and some recommendations and all sorts of things along those lines. And so again, if you're blessed by the content, please share it with your friends and family, uh, tell them about it, have them subscribe to the podcast on anchor or other podcast outlets. And again, if you are blessed by the content and you're able to financially give, please consider doing so. Again, thank you for listening. This is the Proverbial Life, a podcast where we encourage Christians to look to Christ, live wisely, and leave a legacy behind for his namesake. Grace and peace.